Well, hello once again. This is Arctic Eric, and you have found the podcast Fika with Arctic Eric. Freedom in Christ always. The freedom to know him, the freedom to hear his voice, the freedom to follow him, and the freedom to share him with others. Okay, this is part four of a series on deliverance. And I'm taking it quite slow and quite easy uh, as we go into this subject. Uh, That word deliverance conjures up many different ideas from other people. And I encourage you to listen to parts one, two, and three. This is, as I say, part four, and I'm calling it the flesh or the devil. What is it? One thing I want to make clear about this, and I think that most of you who know Christ, uh, you're aware of this, but if you're new to the podcast and uh, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, then in James chapter 1, we're told this. It's important to know in the on, uh, at the beginning of this when it comes to the flesh or the old nature and the devil or evil that James tells us in chapter 1 that none of us should ever say when we're tempted that we're tempted by God because God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil and he himself tempts no one. James goes on to say in chapter 1 verse 14, but every person that includes you and me, is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire, lusts, passions. Then the evil desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully mature, brings forth death. So we can see a process here. We can see, number one, it, your struggle doesn't come from God. It comes from you, from your lust, from your desires, from that unfulfilled desire, whatever they might be. And if we concentrate on that desire, we dwell upon that desire, it will cause us to act in accordance to that which we're thinking about. And when we take that thought and we act upon that thought, it gives birth to sin. And as that sin grows and as our action following that temptation grows, it is going to bring forth a a death, a separation, and conviction for the Christian from the Holy Spirit. Conviction that we might repent and turn back to the God who is incapable of tempting us, but who desires to not only set us free, but to keep us free as we trust him and the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, again, this is part number four, flesh or the devil. And as I say, when we say flesh, it can mean our old nature, the way we were B.C., the way we were before Christ. Now, obviously, after we meet Jesus, we still have an old nature, but the good news is we have a new nature in us. The very nature of God is in us, dwells in us, lives in us, inhabits us. We are the temple of God through the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. And we can experience more and more of the reality that the battle is the Lord's. But I want to look here a moment at Ephesians chapter 2. 
wonderful, wonderful chapter that I think those of you who know Christ are familiar with. I'm going to look at it here in uh, the Amplified Bible, the classic edition. We're told by Paul that you, we who believe, have been made alive when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, in those things in which we one time walked habitually, in those sins and trespasses that we walked in continually, as we were following the course and the fashion of the world. In fact, we were under the sway of the tendency of this present evil age, following the prince of the power of air. Each of us, before Christ, were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, those careless, rebellious, unbelieving, who purposefully, willingly, and knowingly go against the purposes of God. And among those, now it's time to, to fess up and to admit that among these we as well also once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, with our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, that old nature obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our, by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation, like the rest of mankind. Listen, let's, let's stop here at verse 3 for a moment and say, you know, it's good, it's, it's healthy, it's wonderful to acknowledge, to admit who you were and what you were bound to and controlled by and led by and influenced by. And, of course, we cannot see that until the light, Jesus Christ, comes into our life and reveals to us who he is in contrast to that old nature, what this new nature is in contrast to the old nature. Now, when we were B.C., before Christ, of course, God's law is written in every man's heart, and we could sense, we could tell from time to time, no, no, don't do this, don't think that, don't say that, but as we did not yield to our conscience, and as we acted upon those thoughts and ideas, then they became a part of us, and we became bound all the more. But look in verse 4, but God, you know, there's always a but God, no matter what situation you're in, healing, deliverance, salvation, we always want to look and say, what is the but God? What does God say? It says here that God is so rich in his mercy, and because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he's loved us, that includes you, that even when we were dead in our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ, the same new life, with which he quickened him. For it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you do not deserve that you're saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers with Christ's salvation. Yes, of course, we were helpless. We could actually do very little to change the course, 
that was set in our lives by obeying the influence of, of the evil one, obeying our lusts and passions, but God makes it a way for us to come out of that, and he desires in verse 6 to raise us up together with him, and he made us to sit together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by the virtue of being in Christ the Messiah. And that happens through faith. But look here now, verse 7. God did this that God might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free, ga free grace, his unmerited favor, his kindness and goodness of heart toward you and toward me, toward all of us in Christ Jesus. He wants to demonstrate to the powers and the ages and the principalities his immeasurable, life-changing, transforming, sustaining grace. Verse 8. For it is by free grace, that's God's unmerited favor, that you're saved and delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through faith. And this salvation is not of yourself. It's not of your own doing. It came not through your own striving and effort, but it is the gift of God. So listen, he puts us in the race through faith, he, he moves us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and that is that initial deliverance. We're delivered from the powers of darkness. We're set in Christ Jesus, and he comes to live in us. So that instead of taking our will and willing to do what's wrong, as we did before Christ, we can willingly embrace the freedom that is in Christ, the freedom that is Christ, the freedom that God desires for us to walk in and to walk in the light and not in darkness, to walk in the light as Christ himself is in the light, and his blood, when we do, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's right. There is freedom as we walk with him. Now, as we go further on, we're going to go into some very specifics about uh, deliverance that we see Jesus doing and we see in the book of Acts. But let's start and let's continue with the fundamentals that it all begins when we're placed in Christ Jesus through faith. And he comes to live in us, the deliverer, the sanctifier, the healer, the savior, that power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in all who believe. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So obviously we do have a flesh. We do have an old nature. And that's something that we willingly crucify. What do we mean by crucify? We say no. And when we say no, we're depending upon the Holy Spirit to help us walk out that willful determination of the heart that no, I don't want to do that. God, I desire you to change these thought processes to be conformed to your word, to think, God, on the things that you say to think on. I'm willing to allow you to work that in my life clearly according to Scripture. The Bible says that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We do that. 
We do that how? Everything happens by faith in Jesus Christ. We are trusting that Christ in us will walk a freedom walk in us and through us, and we will walk with him in that. But we need to understand we do have a fallen nature. We do live in fleshly bodies, and these bodies are weak. But our body is not sinful. No, it's those cravings that we have, those works of the flesh. And, and sin then entrenches itself in our flesh, and we can become dominated by iniquity of all kinds. But Christ says, crucify those passions. What is that? Consider them dead. Consider them dead. Consider them powerless because you're focusing on the power that is inside you, the person of the Holy Spirit, to help you to walk in the newness of life that he provides. Paul says something marvelous. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What does he mean? He's not living out of his own power, his own lusts, and his own desires, but he's living through what Christ desires, through the power of Christ, for the purposes of Christ, for the plans of Christ. Is that what you desire, that God's good, perfect, and acceptable will be done in your life? Listen, if you do, progressively, and the flesh will be defeated. And when new things come, you'll be able to defeat them quickly because you'll take no thought by saying it. You won't meditate upon it. No, through God's amazing grace and being filled with the scripture of God, you'll meditate on the thoughts of God, the ideas of God, the wisdom of God, God's purposes, what God has begun that God wants to complete through the Holy Spirit. But of course, there's a decision. If anyone wants to follow me, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Listen, you've met him, I hope, through trusting Jesus, but there's so much more than just meeting him. It's like marriage. There's so much more than the wedding day. There's a walk together. And of course, taking up the cross is kind of related to the idea of crucifying the flesh. You're going to have your flesh. And God is there with you if you're willing to allow the Holy Spirit and God's good will to be done in your life. So in a way, we can say, listen, my old nature, this sinful part of me, I'm continually seeing it nailed to the cross. And when I slip, when I fall, when I miss, man, I'm quick to repent. What does that mean? I'm quick to turn back to God and turn my back on my selfish, sinful passions. Listen, we're all going to slip up, but that's why there's forgiveness. Whosoever confesses his sin. So when we confess, we repent. What is that? We turn away from that thought process or activity or action that is displeasing to God, and we turn back to him, the only source of help we have. But he is the God eternal, and he's eternally wanting to help you. Listen, your old nature, the flesh and the spirit, are continually in conflict. Your old nature, that flesh, and the spirit, that new nature, the Holy Spirit in you, are in conflict. We see that so clearly in Romans. 
We're told that if we live according to the flesh, we'll die. But if by the Spirit, how? If by the Spirit, what Spirit? The Holy Spirit in you, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. Because we have been delivered from sin and death to a new life. How does that continue? Because we continually yield ourselves to God for his good purpose and put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to our earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, all of that is idolatry. To crucify the flesh is to obey the call to Christian discipleship, allowing Christ to disciple you as the teacher, the discipler lives on the inside of you to show Christ to you in Scripture and to show you what God wants to do in your life. So we daily reckon ourselves dead, as Paul said. We daily continue the death, uh, continue to be aware that and willing that our old sinful nature remain asleep or remain dead. We learn more and more as we're led by the Spirit to walk in victory over the flesh. Conquering the flesh is what Paul's talking about. When he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with, that we're no longer slaves to sin. That doesn't mean sin disappears, but we're no longer slaves to it. Wow. Incredible. Just marvelous. So, obviously, in 99.9% of the cases, that's my number. I just pulled it out of the air. What I'm saying is a majority of the time, it's you. It's the flesh. It's the old nature. It's not being led by God's Spirit. It's not the devil. Now, obviously, if you turn your back on the Holy Spirit, if you turn your back on the helper, if you turn your back on what God wants for you, and you decide it's all about you, that famous me, myself, and I, and you want to walk things out on your own way and pick and choose that which is uh, safe to do, quote, unquote, no sin is safe well, then you're going to give place to the devil. You're going to open yourself up to fail. You're going to open yourself up to death, as Paul says. But listen, God has greater things for you. He has it for you today. Listen, it's been good here at the kitchen table. I thank you for this time together. We've gone uh, almost twice what I normally like to aim for, about 10 minutes. But I'm thanking you again, no matter where you are, what you're doing, what time of day it is, where you are, or night. Again, I thank you for being here with Arctic Eric at the kitchen table for part four of Deliverance, Flesh or the Devil. And listen, I just want to pray real quickly the best prayer that I know. And I'm praying it for you as you listen right now. That God's good, perfect, and acceptable will be done for you, in you, and through you today. God bless you. Good day.